0: Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs.
1: Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so
0: much noise!
2: Kingsley rolls to the boys back to Kingsley. Carlson no, we'll no, love no, the no, 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 oh, no Kingsley Magic Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Hi, I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson.
0: Laurie, what is hope?
2: Um, I can't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hope is there to give us something to grasp onto and then to slap us across the chops with a, a smelly kipper. It, it's, it's just, honestly, that, we had to get a reaction. This was the game. This was the game. We the, the, were getting a reaction. We're playing Hibs. Couldn't go wrong. Uh, it was, it was, just, it wasn't a certainty, but if we're going to get one reaction from this set of players, it was going to be against Hibs. And what did we do? We end up producing a more Robbie Nielsen performance without Robbie Nielsen than we did when Robbie Nielsen was there. So, oh, that was just, that, that was, that was sore. That was sore. And, um, I don't know where it leaves us. I have to be honest.
2: Yeah, I was waiting for someone to post the um, Scooby-Doo meme with someone pulling <laughs> Stephen Naismith's mask off and it's Robbie Nielsen underneath. And then it could go endless. Someone could pull the Robbie Nielsen mask but off yeah. and it's Craig Levine underneath him. And well, I think what it tells
0: us is um, I think the problems go a lot deeper than the head coach or the interim head coach yes. of the football club right now.
2: But you say that, you know, you said it's more Robbie Nielsen uh, performance than Robbie Nielsen. However... Robbie Nielsen did not lose an Edinburgh derby in and that second thing. spell. Um, not so, so much, yes,
0: not, yeah, not so much the opposition, but just the, the style yes. and the, the lack of urgency. Ah,
2: pish. indeed, and we will we will get into that. Um, but we're we're delighted with you know misery loves company. We've said that previously. <laughs> um, so we've we've got some company this week. We're delighted to be joined by a view from the terraces and evening news is Craig Fowler, how are you doing? Misery loves company, and
1: you want to make all your listeners miserable by inviting me on. Is that how it works?
2: (laughs) Yeah, why not? I mean, we're (laughs) all in this hole anyway. We might as well just keep digging.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a good week for it.
2: It's a pleasure. Um, And yes, we're going to talk about the Hibs Hearts game, of course, Easter Road. Uh, We're going to talk about... The top six split, the fixtures and what they could look like after this weekend's games. We're going to talk a bit about club structure and some of the roles within the football department as well as the Ross County game coming up this weekend when, oh, we're hoping maybe things will get better. You're listening <laughs> to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So, Hibernian against Heart and Midlothian. Uh, potentially <laughs> so the final head we the
0: The 1950s. Uh, come on. We well, won the right. league in the 50s.
2: I, I know. It's... Don't go on a tangent on the sponsors' straight, line. Come on.
0: Straight off there. Straight
2: off. Right. So, Craig, you're our guest. So, let's get your thoughts early on ahead of this one. Hearts making the change um, in terms of removing Robbie Nielsen, Stephen Nesmith taking over, uh, five defeats in a row for Hearts, but going into a game against Hibs who'd also lost four in a row themselves and were nine Edinburgh Derbies without a win. Did you feel a potential manager bounce ahead, a new manager bounce ahead of this one?
1: Not really, I have to be honest. (laughs) Honestly? I, I, I kind of thought... So, when I was asked about it earlier in the week, and I'd spoken about it a lot, because, especially the kind of media circles, a lot of people were saying, like, you know, why why get rid of Robbie? And a lot of fans, like, a lot of fans of other clubs don't really understand it. Didn't think, like, kind of looked at it and thought, well, the first time you slipped from third place, you sack your manager. That seems a bit wild. And to an extent, there is some kind of truth to that. But we obviously know bit more how the team's been playing for a number of weeks, the the direction that the the club was headed in, and also the fact that what was at stake as well. We needed... I mean, fans have said, well, you've just looked at Aberdeen and then thought, well, we'll we'll just copy them and, and hope for the same thing. And I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing that the club tried to do, because I think it was clear that under Robbie this season that he kept saying the same things over and over and over again to the players. Like, he kept saying, like, we need to... We need, to play, we need to be more aggressive in position, we need to play the ball faster, further, for, sorry, we need to get the ball forward a bit more, we need to take more chances on the ball, and we need to be aggressive more off the ball as well, we need to win second balls, so and we need to battle better in the centre of the park. He was saying this after Motherwell didn't change, he was saying it after Aberdeen it didn't change, and he was saying it after Kamanuk, and it didn't change. And then we saw the game against St Martin, and I think it was just clear that this current team and the, the current set-up, the message wasn't getting through anymore. We needed a new voice in the dressing room. So I was initially optimistic. But I just didn't really get... When Stephen Naismith, and I've always been quite impressed by Stephen Naismith, and I've interviewed him one-to-one as well and found him quite impressive. But when he spoke to the media prior to Saturday's game, and I was at his press conference, not the one you saw on the television, because that was the broadcast, but the, the one for the press. And I wasn't really... I didn't really like a lot of what he was saying. I didn't like his stuff when he was just kind of you know, talking about, you know, bringing young players in and, like, saying that there's no, like, saying that I don't feel the pressure, there's no pressure and stuff like this, and I was just like, I didn't get a good vibe at all, so I was like, I'm not sure this is going to work, so, going at the Derby, I'm quite, I'm one of these guys that goes into Edinburgh Derbys, sceptical to begin with, and then I'm just delighted that I've been proven wrong, but I was kind of extra sceptical going at this one, I turned up at Easter Road not, well... I don't say I didn't really expect anything. It's Hearts going Easter Road. Of course, I expected that there was a possibility we could go play well and win, or go there, not play well and win, as has so often been the case. But I just, yeah, I just, I found very hard to get up for the game on the day. I was working anyway, so it wasn't like I had to. It wasn't like it was in the way in and singing songs or whatever. But yeah, I just never really. I didn't feel confident going into it, and the performance that came out of the Hearts team was pretty much what I expected.
2: Mark ahead of the game. Um, Robert Snodgrass uh, obviously exited Hartlepool Midlothian Football Club. There's lots of there's lots of rumours around uh, about that. I don't want to get into that too much, but certainly um, with the head coach gone, with someone who was you know allegedly possibly a, an issue within the dressing room gone, you did kind of feel like it was maybe a chance for a fresh start. Now I. I said in the, I did say in the podcast previously, I wasn't 100% sure if Naismith would be the the right one for it. But at the same time, you felt like there might be some kind of reaction here. Um, I guess when you see the team, first of all, were you surprised that there wasn't any major change here? Now, I know there was three changes to the team, but one of them was Stoggras going out. Obviously, he was going to be out, but you don't think he's going to play for Hearts again. Ross Stewart going out for Xander Clark was another one, which was always going to happen if Xander Clark was able to make the game. Um, James Hill going out for Toby Sibick. Not a huge surprise. Sibick's um, played quite a lot. Maybe it was a surprise he missed Robbie Nielsen's last game. And it was a 4-2-3-1 setup from uh from Naismith with Clark and goals. Smith right, Kingsley left. Sibick role centre. Devlin, Halliday in the holding with Halliday making his 100th appearance. Forrest Grant, Mackay, a three behind Shankland. Pretty similar to a, a setup that Robbie Nielsen would put out. Did, would, did you expect maybe him to throw some kind of curveball maybe in there? Yeah, the whole Cochrane,
0: what's he done since the Aberdeen game that he's, he's not been flavour of the month? Kingsley getting the start. Kingsley's been all right, but for for it to be a, a kind of Robbie Nielsen esque lineup, forget the goalkeeper because Clark fit Clark starts. Yeah, I mean, I. I think without the pace of of Ginelli, who's basically our only fast player, I don't know what we are. So Forrest got the nod there. And it it doesn't say much for Kuol, for Oda, and for others. If they can't get a, a game, having a, a fresh, clean slate to try and impress Stephen Naismith, if none of the youngsters from the B team can even get stripped and on the bench... I don't know what we'll do against Ross County, but we can't do that again. So yes, I was surprised at the team selection.
2: Speaking to some Hibs fans, I know before the game, speaking to media there um, for the home side as well, their pessimism was evident. Um, They could not have been more miserable ahead of the game, expecting Hearts to comfortably win, said they're awful, they're terrible. I was asking how they're going to line up. i someone basically quoted quote was basically I don't care I've given up trying to I guess what nonsense he's going to try um so in some ways you know it's it's almost a perfect game for someone to get that new job because there was a bit of confidence from the heart's end rightly or wrongly just because Robbie Nielsen had gone and Naismith was in charge um what I found very surprising is the first half. Um, there's only one real big chance. And it was for Hibbs. Ellie um, Yuan's shot was well saved by Xander Clark. pretty decent chance for Forrest. Probably should have done better with. But the first half, Hearts had sixty five percent possession almost. Um, yeah, and it's
0: pish possession. It wasn't. This, anything what, with with
2: what, what what I was going to say. What really surprised me. So I wasn't sure how this how this game would go. I was up. I was hoping maybe the the, the new bounce would work. What I expected was. A reaction in terms of I thought the players would be snapping into tackles, um, getting about the pitch quite quickly, whether tactically um, and you know quality-wise, we would see enough. I, I wasn't sure, but I th- I thought I'd see something different. What really mm-hmm. surprised me was the the major issues which we've seen from Hearts were were still evident there. It was slow. There was you know we had loads of possession, but we weren't doing anything with it. And what really concerned me was, although Hibs didn't have much quality either, they just looked like they had, similar to when we played Kilmarnock, you know, not a great team either. They were just snapping into tackles a little bit more. They just had that extra little half yard on us. They just looked ultimately like they were the team that wanted that game more. And that, although I didn't see anything from them in the first half that suggested they were any good, that concerned me a little bit.
0: Yeah, a couple of things here. We were bullied by a team that were bullied by Dundee United and Motherwell in their previous two games. Now, if that isn't damning, I don't know what is. If Alan Forrest was Josh Ginelli, I thought that was a really good chance. Then it's probably a goal. And Halliday hitting the bar wasn't as much of a chance. But yeah, we had chances as well. But Yuan should have done better. But to be bullied by... I mean, what have we worked on? You've got to know... Robbie Nielsen was well aware. Robbie Nielsen in his second spell knew. He put extra emphasis on the derby. Physicality, first and foremost. Win your individual battles. So, it, this is very difficult to 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 kind of blame. It's like blaming Frank Lampard for the mess that Chelsea are in. Of course, there's part of the blame for, for every individual at the football club. But it's like blaming Stephen Naismith who's had four days to to kind of put together a a plan um, for an Edinburgh derby. Of course, there has to be some of the blame for him. Uh, Frank Lampard, the same. But it's like he's worked on shape or whatever he's worked on, he's totally forgotten that this is a game. First and foremost, you've got to win your individual battles. Because to get bullied by a team that were bullied at Tannadice and at home the week before against Motherwell is unacceptable. Problem is, it's a bit of a, a bit of
1: a team that's just set up to be bullied. Like if we talk, about, if we look at our, that's fair. One, They're soft. One, one of the biggest problems at the weekend was Kevin Nisbet's domination of Kai Rolls and Toby Sowick. Yep. Ragged all them. I think Kai Rolls and Toby Sowick, perfectly good defenders. I would very much happily have them both at Hearts next season with a, a team that's that's going to be. I have pieces added to it in the summer, and a new manager coming in who's going to have new ideas. However, I don't want to see them playing together because they're just too similar. Yeah. They're both comfortable in the ball. Uh, they both move pretty well for centre halves in terms of their pace. But both, uh, well, Cairo's got great anticipation and positioning in the penalty area. Uh, Civic's a bit better in terms of kind of winning his one-on-one defensive duels. But neither of them are Craig Halkett, and Craig Halkett has been a massive miss. And it goes back and this is this is a kind of point I would make as well for the wider team and, and the malaise that set in for this club and it set in before we started losing games. And you could even go back to January. Craig Halkett went down, he was out for the season. We needed a Craig Halkett type defender. And inside instead they went and got James Hill. James Hill to me just looks like Toby Civic Like he, he looks like such a similar player. Yeah, but not as good. So he looks like a similar player, but not as good. So we didn't we never replaced the commanding centre half, the guy who would who'd just be a proper defender, who would win his aerial battles, who would who would win the physical battle against the opposition striker. Because Craig, we're soft as shit from set
0: plays and oh, yeah. balls.
1: That's because Halkett's our best header of the ball. And even it's, uh, Stephen Kingsley is the best header of the ball at hearts. And that's like something like he wins sixty six percent of his headers, which is decent enough, but it's not great that like somebody who's a career left back is your your best defender in the air. Mm. and so that was that was a major problem in the game. But also, I think they were able to be well. There's, all like, there's other aspects as well. Like George Grant isn't the most um, he's not exactly somebody who, who with, a, with a heart for the fight. I think that's uh, fair to say. Uh, when it, when, the, when the chips are down, he he doesn't seem to rise to the occasion. You wouldn't um, want but, a lot of these
0: in the trenches, would you? Alongside no, you?
1: no, and it, and it's and it, you need guys like that. Mm-hmm because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm drifting into a kind of football cliche here, but you do need guys like that when when things are bad at a football club, when when confidence is low. So when confidence is low, right, what can we do first and foremost? Right, let's win the battle. Let's make sure that we don't get bullied. Let's, let's try and bully them and let, let's build a foundation for there. So without that, you're just left to let the players try and be the better football team. Now, that is possible from this heart side. We've seen it this season, but this is a team that has no confidence whatsoever anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, you, when you have players that have no confidence whatsoever, you have a bunch of guys who don't want to take any chances on the ball, so they just play it safe constantly. And I did see some of what Na- Naismith wanted to do, because I did think we went back to front a bit more than we'd seen under Robbie Nielsen across the season. But in terms of players getting into areas, many of times that George Grant got into an area in the final third and like passed the ball sideways or backwards. He's even been picking up loads of space. In that number 10 role and doing absolutely nothing with it. Another one to just continually pick on because he wasn't the only one that so often got into the final third and didn't ask any questions of him, didn't take any chances, just wanted to play it safe. And it's just, uh, it goes back to the malaise that I think started with Robbie not realizing that we were playing poorly even when we were winning. And then mm-hmm. once we started losing, it was almost too getting late. to the point where it was too late to really change things. Mm
0: -hmm. With with regards to Barry Mackay, he's come in for a bit of stick. Uh, He should be exonerated from a lot of the the criticism because he tried to be brave. He tried to do things. There was one instance just in front of the Hibster I think it was, and he's he's tried something that's come off and he's managed to play it down the line, chase it himself, but then we get into the final third and it just goes nowhere. My concern is that so many of these players seem to have gone backwards and in a week from which Logan Roy sadly lost his life in succession for hearts it's regression that seems to be the buzz- buzzword right now not succession I mean donkey. Success- you're, you're,
1: you're very lucky that I was I've, I've yet to catch up on the series of succession but you're very lucky that I was already had that spoiled for me randomly <sighs> enough by a Hibs fan so I had to do the articles <laughs> for the alert. I had, to, I had to do fans react articles for both Hearts and Hibs after the game, and I was looking through the Hibs reactions for fans to the to their tweet, and somebody <laughs> says, "Oh, uh, it was it was it was fitting that Hibs won in the week where Logan Roy died." And I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> no, come on!" I'm just, all that like episode a, spoiler I'm trying, alert. There's like there's like certain. There's like certain Websites I've been trying to avoid that I usually read so I don't learn about what happens in succession, <laughs> and somehow I've spoiled it by looking at Hibs Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh,
0: like, hearts have ended up with succession, Naismith oh, for Nielsen, and regression. It yes, just, uh... hearts,
2: hearts had double the amount of passes as Hibbs in the first half. Um, that's but, been
0: a,
1: a typical thing of so many of our away weeks, games recently. That? The yeah. it was the exact same at Aberdeen, it was the exact same at Yep. I think it was the same at Motherwell as well.
2: Yeah, I've got, I've got an email here actually which goes through some of the issues. It's an email from Alistair Dobby, so I thought I'd uh, read this. How long is it um, then
0: if it goes through some of the issues? Oh, like only, only pages
2: some pages Um it, it, Well, he does say I usually tweet you, but this is way longer than a tweet. Uh, typing this after waking up uh, early to watch our first Derby defeat in years and I'm raging, angrier than I should be since I've been a Hearts fan for 45 years so I've seen it all. That was a gutless display yet again. A group of players that are supposedly our strongest squad in years There is a huge lack of leadership amongst the team that's obvious to see. Um, I know Shankland is seemingly untouchable, and as a striker, rightly so, given his goals this season. As a captain, though, he's poor. I don't see any leadership from him on the park when things aren't going at all well. Sure, we hear the right things in press conferences or interviews, but it's one thing saying it um, and another thing doing it. I get that our strongest leaders are all sharing a physio bench, Gordon, Halkett, Boyce spring to mind, but the lack of desire to lead amongst the squad is evident. Players like Kingsley and Devlin are shadows of themselves uh, from last season. Forrest, Grant, Atkinson, Humphreys, Halliday are unfortunately just not good enough for where we need to be. Funnily enough, I have a sneaking suspicion that Keo might turn out to be a good player for us next season. Q howls of derision. We might have a few shouting at their, um, I was going to say their radios, but their phones are other devices right now. Only a couple of months ago, we were rejoicing in the fact that we had a bench that could win games as well as a team on the park. That's disappeared. Subs make no difference to us. Bringing Naismith in isn't an isn't the answer. No matter how many people claimed it was, he led a team of kids to mid-table in non-league football. That's not what we needed for such an important time in the season. I've probably rambled too much, but what was lauded as being a strong, talented squad has shown itself up to be weak mentally and, dare I say, uninterested. The lack of heart at hearts is obvious and this squad needs to be gutted, sadly. The only players from today's squad that played, um, that I'd keep for next season are Clark, Rolls, Sibbet, Cochrane, and Shankland, minus the captaincy. A lot of the rest can GTF as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> They're weak mentally, and you can see how fragile we are because of that. And of course, as a Hearts fan, I reserve the right to completely change my mind when we miraculously <laughs> win four of our next six and get into Europe again. Oh, dear. Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't pretend that in January I didn't say, look, look where we are, we're in a great position. The squad looks very strong. You know, we're not even playing our best and we're getting results. We've signed a few players. We don't know if they'll, you know, they look like they're good projects. Um, so, you know, it would it, be disingenuous of me for, to suddenly start pretending like I, I I saw this coming at that point. Um, I don't know about you, Craig. Um, I, I, and part of me, I'm annoyed at myself partly as well for not seeing it coming because I really didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't think we were playing that great, but I looked at the teams below us, and I thought, if this is where we're sitting and we're not really firing on all cylinders, and you know, yeah, we will be will be fine. And and, and it's all this old football
1: the- cliche. You it, sign a good team when you win when you're not playing well, and you kind of thought, well, we're not playing well, we're winning. So when we start playing well, this is this is golden.
2: Well, maybe but maybe just, that, that just, that just didn't,
1: no, 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 I think we played well about I don't know twice this year.
2: Yeah, it beat Aberdeen five 0 no and didn't even play well. I know. I think what, what I was speaking about this in the in the pub after the game, we were talking about it, and you know, Aberdeen are currently got that new manager bounce, and this is the same. Oh, oh, I know they've signed a couple of solid defenders, and that's definitely helped. But it's a large part of that team is the same one that looked absolutely horrendous under Goodwin, and I was speaking to Aberdeen fans, you know, after they had her- Horrible results in Edinburgh, and they were just thinking, you know, they were talking about going down, and you know, every single one of them needs to go, they're all useless, blah blah blah. Um, things change very quickly in football. Um, yeah, I'm obviously-
1: saying as well, in Aismith, Robson lost his first game as Aberdeen boss, so they didn't get an immediate new manager bounce. Like, we, we were saying, like why did we not get the same as Aberdeen? But they, they did, I think they lost a Motherwell in Robson's first game. It, at home, it was at Motherwell, it was Sunday. They lost at home.
2: So, the where they got a red card. So,
1: it was they lost 3 1. Um, so, they didn't have an initial bounce either. And I think it's, it's maybe not quite as extreme an example as well because Aberdeen, and I've kind of been told this as well, Aberdeen stopped playing for a good one. So a, a new manager coming in was definitely needed there. I'm not sure the Hearts players fully kind of down tools for Nielsen, at least not to the extent that it went on at Pataudry.
0: It's interesting you say that about the Aberdeen players and, and the Hearts players, because there's similarities, Craig, between the form of Aberdeen, and they, they just couldn't buy a win. I mean, Darvel away, even although what's conveniently forgotten in that game, one of the worst offside decisions of the season with no VAR, which may have kept him in a job, but then to go to Hibbs and get spanked six 0 uh, you you could you knew it was it was happening. But for you to to kind of suggest that the Hearts players were still in some way playing for Robbie, so what what was the problem then? If if they were playing for Robbie and the Aberdeen players weren't playing for for Jim Goodwin, what was the the problem well, that I'm led not, to not, what happened?
1: I'm not sure of the players. I, I don't know with the Hearts one. I, I don't know. Like I'm not really heard anything concrete enough. There's rumours flying around, but there's, there's nothing that's come from anybody that I, I trust enough uh, to to say definitively that that Hearts players had one way or another, either either down tools under Robbie or were still really much fighting for them. Not Joe Jordan at Falkirk esque six <laughs> 0 No, exactly, serious. and that's and that's what happened to Aberdeen. It that Aberdeen Hibs game. That was a team that were like right
0: we've had enough of you. <laughs> We're done. And, and we they say, you. oh no, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. We're just sad to see the manager go, piss off. Yeah, that was the, that you're was waving him off. Saying, there was him
1: saying, we want you gone. I just kind of thought that this is just me, As there's no insider info, this is just me kind of looking at it as, as a Hearts fan. I just kind of thought that under Robbie, the message had maybe got a bit stale because that just kind of seems to happen in modern day football, that managers have, or most managers, because there's rarely any that stick in job, even some of the best ones, like, they go in somewhere, like, if you think of guys at the really highest level of the game, they go in and they immediately turn around the fortunes on a team and they win titles and they win cups and then within a two or three seasons it's an absolute disaster because the message just starts to wear thin and I just kind of felt that that had, had happened at Hearts, and it's funny, like, you talk about, going back to Ali's email, and Ali um, is somebody that, uh, I've met a few times, Ali's um, a friend of my friend and a friend of the podcast and friend of Laurie's, Robert Borthwick, He's, um, and I know that he must have been very angry because he lives in Minnesota, so he must have been up at six o'clock in the morning to watch that <laughs> guff the other day, so I, I would be very angry as well. But he talks about Shankland. Mm -hmm. In in terms of a captain, I do disagree to an extent because I see Chankland a lot during games communicating with his teammates. Now, he's not a ranter and raver, but I don't necessarily know how today's modern footballers respond to a teammate who is a ranter and raver in in terms of the kind of old school captain that we associated with football growing up because I think Robert Snodgrass was that to an extent. But if Robert Snodgrass and you can see him most games kind of shouting a lot at his own players, but if I was those players and Robert Snorgrass is shouting at me, I'd be looking back at him going, Well, you're shite as well. Yeah. So there is that aspect of it that and I don't that's why I say I don't necessarily agree that Cap Shanklin isn't Captain Material, because I do see him talking to teammates. And and you had, in fact, was it not? You had uh, Ryan on the show mm-hmm. earlier this season when he talked about Playing against Shankland for St. Johnson and how much Shankland was in constant communication with the yes. with the teammates yes. around him. That's what a, that's what a captain does these days. A captain doesn't scream and shout at his own players. So I, I don't think it's. I would disagree with that point. Um, although he's certainly right in other ones that there's just that there seems to be a lot of kind of weak-willed players and a lot of players that. Although yeah, actually sorry, Ali, I'm going to going to disagree with one other aspect to your email saying that. And you while I'm here. Yeah, while I'm here, Sadie Dolly Cleep, Clark, Civic, Cocker, and Shankland. I mean, this was a team that looked not long ago like it was absolutely going to scoosh third place. In fact, even while not playing well, it was still winning every week. And that's because there is quality in this site. And I'd quite like, it's a bit of an extreme example, but I'd quite like to compare it to Celtic when Ronnie Dyler left and Brendan Rodgers came in. Everybody thought, like, including Celtic fans, thought, right, he's going to rip up the team and he's going to bring in a whole host of new players and that's what we need. We need, we need somebody to come in and just clean, clean house and bring in a new squad and then we'll be better. But he just made
0: the players at the football club better.
1: Yeah, instead he added a few very key pieces and made those players better. And I don't think there's anybody, for all that there's so many players in the Hearts team that are underperforming I actually don't think there's any... And he kind of gets to this when he talks about Keo because I do see what he means, even though I kind of disagree, that I don't think there's any of them in the squad that are beyond saving. I don't think there's a player that's like, well, he's just rotten, so he he needs to go. I think all of them have got something to bring to the table. It's just, and I'll go back to this word once again, it's that collective malaise that's just meaning that they're all playing below their standard.
0: Laurie, one of the other things that has maybe been lost amidst all this. When Hearts finished third last year and up until Aberdeen went on the run, one of Hearts' biggest strengths was their opponent's weaknesses and an ability or an inability among the opposition to go on a run that Aberdeen are doing, to have momentum, to put together yeah. results, to go to Ross County on Friday night. We both watched that game and they, they, they're nothing special. Um, and that that's the thing, but they find a way. They're very Hearts-like. From last season and from from earlier this season, when when we were on a run, it doesn't take much to get to where Aberdeen are. You need consistency, and you need to be clinical in front of goal. And if you can stop the opposition from scoring, you'll be able to put a run together. And that's what Craig's talking about. When when you've got the the malaise that's that set in, sometimes I mean uh, Ross County at home, right on Saturday. I know we'll get to it. If you're to pick a game. It's it's probably as good as any. You've got to be at home At well, the um, bottom. So e- exactly. So what more? What more do you want uh, for, in, in a league game? Forget the fact that oh, they don't concede too many goals on their travels or on anything like that. There's got to be a game. So you said before we
2: came on air. Oh, no. <laughs> are you, <laughs> you quote mocking yourself?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. But the. I'm not going to go down the road of this game will tell us a lot about these players because I went down that road last week and it was a, it was either a cul-de-sac <laughs> or a bloody dead end. So there's no run out of excuses. It's time to step up, to stop this malaise and let the Hibs defeat be the equivalent of Aberdeen's loss at home to St Johnston because after that, they went on a run. Let that happen to
2: hearts, please. Yeah, I mean, I think just to close off the, the Hibs game itself, you know, second half... I guess one of the a big concern here in mean, Hearts, we'd have one more shot on target in the game in the second half. Um, And, you know, him's go in front in the 67th minute. Again, poor defending, it's basic, ball to the back post, handling out jumps. Sibic back into the danger area. You've got, what, Atkinson, Humphreys, Mackay, all standing there doing absolutely nothing. And Nisbet just follows the ball home. It's a decent finish, but he's got a whole lot of space, what, 10 yards from goal. Um, Aside from the poor defending for the goal, which we could moan about all day, Again, similar to when we go back to the Kamarnik game, the thing that frustrates and annoys me here is we've still got 23 minutes plus stoppages. And what was there? Five, four, four minutes added. So we've got 27 minutes there to try and turn this game around. And it was just... It was so similar to what we've seen recently as well. Uh, you know, it, two more, two changes after that. Alex Cochran and Kiyamurt Soglu come on for Halliday and Grant. And it was just... It was the same. There was still no urgency. Uh, again... You can't blame Naismith for where we're at because he's been chucked in, he's the B team um the B team manager, he's been chucked into this um position. He's not had very long. Um he's not gonna suddenly miraculously make us world beaters. But I was disappointed that we didn't see just just something different, especially after we went a goal behind. You know, in nil-nil you could argue, well, Neither team's very good. Hearts could still be the team to nick a goal and and get three points. And one nil. Did neither of you just think? Well, look, it's definitely not working. Just I don't know. Go long, play for the second ball, just play into the channels and just get up the park or something. But it just it barely changed until what Pro- maybe five minutes
1: to go. Probably going long is it? Who are you going to go long to? Well, he brought Humphreys on after sixty-two, and then you thought, okay, but hum- Humphreys is a big body, but is he actually is he actually any good? It- Doing that job if you go so, long term. I don't so see much thing, evidence
2: of that. One thing, and it's just I don't know if you remember the the, the Derby win that Stendhal had at Easter Road. Now Stendhal was obviously very stubborn in terms of playing out from the back, playing the high line, etc. I don't know if you remember for that game, he basically played off the second ball, didn't play it over the top, didn't necessarily even have someone challenge the Hibs defense, but made them have to like track back and clear it. And then tried to win the second ball inside the Hibs half. And that was one of the only games I remember seeing Stendhal really actively change his approach. And it, it kind of worked. It wasn't very pretty. You know, basically letting Hibs win the defensive header, but trying to win the second ball. And then you're you're then attacking the team from what 40 yards from goal, and you at least are in a more you know a more favorable position than trying to build up from edge of your own box or your own half. Um I'm not saying it. It's it's not pretty, it's not necessarily going to pay dividends, but nothing was working. It's just that frustration that it didn't feel like we were actively doing anything to change the game. And um, I don't know, I just thought maybe when A-Smith would try and just throw something into the game that was a bit different. Um, but it just felt like exact same we've seen, maybe worse than than recent weeks, considering Hibs have been an awful run and are bereft of confidence themselves. Chris Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Okay, one topic I wanted to speak to Craig about since he's on um, is something he covered in the evening news in an article which was top six fixtures. Um, Hearts will of course be the top six, that definitely can't change. Uh, With one game to go there could be some slight changes in teams but not an awful lot and it's going to leave an interesting conundrum for the fixtures isn't it Craig because what the league usually try to do although not always is give everyone an even amount of home and away games so well, always,
1: They always try It's just not they always possible That's what
2: I mean, they don't always Hearts have been um, on the wrong end of that previously And other teams have as well in recent years But they generally try and do that So you then maybe Mess around with fi- fixtures. So sometimes teams will play Each other three, three Times at home and once away Rather than um, two and two So the interesting thing With the permutations here is, um, I guess, especially because um, they're the team. be <laughs> take over. <laughs> well, Hearts, at Mirren, Hibs, and Aberdeen. The, the, this is where it gets tricky because there's every potential um, that this weekend <laughs> might not, um, that there could only be four points between four teams um, and potentially just two points between Hearts, Mirren, and Hibs. So it makes it kind of tricky because teams won't be happy if they see the remaining fixtures is slightly favouring one of their rivals for league positions
1: yeah and it's so if, if Livingston so I've worked this all out but it's it's dependent on the top 16 as it is which I think might happen anyway because Livingston basically have to go to Dundee United and win a draw is not good enough for them regardless of what happens elsewhere because of their inferior goal difference so they need to go to United to win United have obviously picked up so that and Livingston have only won two games in oh, god knows how long so Seems likely that they might not get a result. Even if they do, that means that Hibbs have to drop points against Johnson and St. Mirren have to drop points in their home game against At- Kilmarnock, and Kilmarnock have not won away from home all season. So it does seem likely that it's going to stay as it is. So going in there is only so I worked out for each team based on who they're who they're going to play and what the games would be like if it would just flow like a most league seasons do. Or, or So, for instance, Hearts would be due to play Celtic at home, Rangers away, Aberdeen at home, Hibs away, and St Mirren away. So it worked out for every single team. Unfortunately, only two... No, Hibs, the... Hibs
2: at home, they'd be due to play.
1: Oh, sorry, did I say Hibs away? Sorry, yeah. Hibs yeah. at home, St Mirren away. So, but unfortunately, that would mean that at the end of the campaign, only Aberdeen and Hearts would have a even split of 19 and 19 whereas the other clubs have got some variation of 18 home games and 20 away games. Now, in a a kind of weird quirk, and there might be another way to work this out, but this seems like the simplest way to do it. In a weird quirk, Hearts, even though they're... if you just leave it as it is, their games would be even, it looks like they're going to have to move two of Hearts' fixtures to be able to accommodate it so that everybody is 19 home and 19 away. Now before anybody gets up in arms about it, it actually looks like it might work out better for Hearts this week. Oh yeah,
2: I think it absolutely does.
1: Because it looks like the easiest fix is, so to even up to the games for St Mirren and Celtic, Celtic host Hearts for a third time. So it's a game that Hearts are unlikely to win, regardless of where it takes place, Gorgie or at Celtic Park. And Hearts will welcome St Mirren to Tyne Castle for the third time, and that'll even up their fixtures as well. Now, we've not played well against St Mirna in either games at Tynecastle, but I think, well, every single Hearts fan knows that we've got much better chance of beating the Buddies in Gorgie than we do going to Paisley because we've only won three games away from home in the league all season. In fact, we've only won five games away from home. Uh, six, six games away from, so away from home in all competitions this season. And one of them is Hamilton, so that doesn't really count. and then the other game would be Rangers going to Hibs for a third time and then that evens up them too as well so it does seem like we might get a bit of the rub of the green it's not definite and there might be another way that the SPFL can look at this and do something else but I was was having a really good look at it for about an hour or so and it's it's kind of stuff that's usually well above my intelligence (laughs) and it really did hurt my head to try to figure all this out but it does seem like the easiest path, and it and it's it's not certain, it's not set in stone, especially since Livingston could gate crash the party and change everything. But if it does remain like it is, it does seem like that's exactly what Hearts are going to get. We're going to get home games against Hibs, Aberdeen, and St Mirren, and we're going to have to go to Rangers and Celtic. So if Hearts win the remaining home games, that's twelve points, and it's not out with the realms of possibility. And if they do that. As mad as it seems at this point point in time, I mean, Saint Hearts winning four games between now and the end of the season seems mad in itself. But you take each game as they come. Can they win that?
2: Yeah,
0: they can. Then who knows? Maybe the European dream isn't dead after all. Or <laughs> you and I had a conversation, didn't we, back and forward on WhatsApp? Yeah, I was. Gonna, I was
2: just going to refer to
0: that. Yeah, you you must have been having happy pills or something. You were very positive yesterday talking about oh, when look, the draws <laughs> were. And no, you're you're right to do so. Basically, we went through the whole Europa League qualifying, if and Conference League qualifying, and where Hearts have to finish, and Rangers and Celtic winning the Scottish Cup. Um, and it, it was it was worthwhile on the back of Craig's piece in the paper about the the fixtures. There's, when there's a lot of negativity, you do try and find some... And this has been a tough podcast to, to kind of look back on a Derby defeat. First time for them um, in 10 games, I think it was. <laughs> as, as Luke Shandley said to, me on the, uh, he said to me on the phone last week, he says... Oh, he had no hope got...
2: before the game either. No, he, he had was, absolutely he was, zero yeah. hope.
0: He said, you, you guys go nine game unbeaten and it's expected. We get, we go uh, kind of nine games unbeaten against Hearts. And it's an open-top bus parade. But none of the hippies... Um, had any kind of hope going into it the the one thing I would say about that before we we kind of move on is when the camera panned to the Hibs fans celebrating the first goal, I kind of thought it was like a game that they were expected to win 7-0, the way that their fans were, I was like yay, hooray, good job was was that a kind of oh shit, we've kept them in a job for another week the way things are (laughs) going down there I mean, full full time was different, they celebrated it, the whole sunshine on Leith and all that fine, fine um, we would have done exactly the same um, but it just seemed that it was two teams with a malaise one managed to escape from it, we have to do that there will be a turning point, I really hope it's this weekend against Ross yeah. County
2: I think that, yeah, look I I mentioned it um, when I was talking to the top six in on Twitter as well, yes we're talking about these things, there is the caveat the asterisk, it means Hearts could not win Games home or away right now. You know we could lose to Ross County this weekend. We know we're playing terrible right now. There's no guarantee we'll win any games, but we still we still have to look at it. You know things might turn around, and you know if we want to look at it in the glass half full, <laughs> extremely half full, um, uh, then Aberdeen play Rangers this weekend. Hearts play Ross County at home. There is a possibility Hearts win their game and Aberdeen lose it. Equally, I wouldn't be surprised if Aberdeen got something against Rangers. But let's just say. Hearts beat Ross County. Aberdeen lose to Rangers. We go into the top six, um, two behind them, uh, with a much better goal difference. It kind of then just comes down to like, so we say we can beat Aberdeen at home, which again, I know might not happen, but let's hope we can. If we beat Aberdeen at home in our game against them, it's going to come down to four games between us. At that point, we would be ahead of Aberdeen. So we just have to get a point, at least within a point of Aberdeen's total points over the games against. So we would have. Celtic away, Rangers away, Hibs at home, St Mirren home. So two games we're probably going to lose, two games that we could win at home, and we need to get at least within a point of Aberdeen who would have Celtic home, Rangers away, Hibs home and St Mirren away I think, Craig? Yeah, you you mentioned that. Yeah, probably. So, look, again I know people were saying, how do you think we're even going to get points against Aberdeen at home or St Mirren at home right now? I don't know that, but if we can turn it around, there I, is still a possibility there. I, I think. I think what could
1: end up being quite crucial is where the fixtures actually lie. Just about that, to set That's that, a point too. as well. Yeah,
2: no, we had this point.
0: conversation yesterday, Craig. Now, bearing in mind that we're kind of second-class citizens in in this league behind Celtic and Rangers, I think as it stands, if they both win at the weekend, Celtic need four points, something like that, to to win the title. So the Old Firm game will not decide. The title will not be won during the Old Firm game. So they've got to kind of think about that. And us being second-class citizens, we, our fixtures will be decided around when this mm. Old Firm game is, is placed. Long story short, if I gave either of you right now the opportunity to schedule the Aberdeen at home game for Hearts, first after the split or last after the split, so it could decide who's going into Europe if it's last after the split, or the way that both teams are playing right now, momentum-wise. What would you do, first or last after the split, if that was the only two choices? Great.
1: I, w- I would definitely take first after the split purely for the reason Ooh. that if we beat purely for the reason that if we beat Ross County this weekend, and we then get Celtic or Rangers away, that's the momentum gone already. Like it doesn't. True. With you, you obviously get more confidence and. The same goes the other way. If you are playing against... A...
2: Graham Schinney will be back by the last game as well, won't
1: he? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so that's what Graham Shirey won't play. But also, but as, as players, you, you gain more confidence, even regardless of your play... You, sorry, let me start that again. You gain more confidence from beating better teams, but you still gain confidence from beating teams that you should. So harsh will gain confidence from beating Ross County. Then even if like, the play Celtic arrange, you say, well, it's, it, it's a free hit. Well, it, doesn't really exi- it doesn't really exist because you could then, you know, go to Silicon Rangers and you can lose and it still brings that kind of losing mentality and it
0: still sinks the confidence. But I think if, would... if we play them first, kick we would be above them if we beat Ross County and they don't beat Rangers at Petaudry. So I think that's probably the right answer. Playing them yeah, first. We, we
1: could win and go ahead of them and then it completely changes the outlook for the rest of the season. And, and really, that, that would be a massive shot of confidence to the team. Whereas, like I say, if we go to Celtic Park and then just lose again, it just feels like we're back to square one.
0: Mm-hmm. Playing them last might mean, Laurie, that they've already wrapped up third and it's just that.
2: Yeah, just not and and you have to... And I guess another factor into this is in terms of if you when you're playing Celtic and Rangers, um, Celtic will win the league, so there'll be a point where they will rotate a bit more. And not to say it means it will get anything, but you'll have more of a chance. Last game of the season, that, that'll be what the next competitive game for who you're playing. Which, you know, if it's Celtic in the Scottish Cup final, um, yeah, it could be resting. Well, I don't
1: know why there were rest players to play in Falker current for this, but they might. No, we
0: uh, but a, I we mean, don't have a good record against teams that rest players, they usually beat us. No, them, but
2: again, what I'm saying is, would you rather have Celtic and Rangers, um, Celtic, especially when they've not sealed it, um, when they don't have a cup final? next up. I know they'll be playing a, a lower league team, they're likely to win it anyway, but...
0: Their, their cup final, Laurie, is the semi-final. That sounds yeah, bad, but it's but, true. But yeah. I'm just
2: if if it's Celtic last game of the season, and um, obviously the, the league will be wrapped up, cup final will be their next game, if we we're playing for something I'd rather play them in that situation than the first game after the split. I know the likelihood is we'll lose both scenarios, but which scenario do we have a slightly better chance in?
0: What was the score when Rangers came to town at the end of last season? And it was basically reserves against reserves. Did we lose three one in that game? Three one. I know,
2: I know. But then they they came to town twice a season and had bigger wins than that. When it was their first day, I I know what you're I know what you're saying. Um, but I, I I agree with Craig. I wasn't actually sure. He's kind of convinced me that I'd rather play them. If I in fact if I could get second game after the split, would that be possible? No. no would you, who worse. would you rather have first, though? Yeah. Someone else we can beat. St. I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't want
1: to
0: play St Mirren immediately on current form, and
1: I'll, I don't want to end my
2: derby that quickly.
0: No, Craig's persuaded it's got to be first, because to have the chance to, to go into the last three games of the season after the first game after the split, ahead of Aberdeen, if that, look, we could lose to Ross County, they could beat Rangers, and it could I, be on. The problem is if point. it's the
2: last game, the last game we might already have lost. <laughs> we already lost our yeah. place, it might be.
0: And we've, we've already decided, Craig, that if we're not going to finish third, I'd rather finish fifth than you fourth. Decided. You I decided, decided that. I did decide. simply Simply because we'll spank the team in the second qualifying round of the Ah, yeah. So, so we get uh, we get an extra day away. Team. Uh, we get an extra day away in Europe. We get two extra lots of coefficient points for winning home and away with this brand new manager, Chris Wilder, or whoever it's going to be. Um, <laughs> has to be wild that if he travels to a supporters uh, on a supporters bus to a cup final, he's oh he's a died in the real hard.
2: This optimism is getting wild. There minute So so uh, then, uh,
0: by the way, this was part of the discussion that, that we had. And I totally deliberately ignored that. That was a red card from Dunsar, um That pun. But if we beat the seeded team, because we'd be unseeded in the third qualifying round, if we beat the seeded team, we then yeah. take their seeded spot for the final playoff. Round draw, so it's already mapped out. We're going to get into the group stages. <laughs> so we regardless. don't even need to finish third. We so we need to finish fine. third. So we started negatively, but th- we're we're finishing with a blaze of positive glory.
2: A, a blaze of blamed optimism, and on that note, we'll we'll move on to something else. <laughs> You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Before we very briefly talk about Ross County, I, I wanted to talk about something which has been raised by um, a couple of messages we've got, and I've seen it doing the rounds on, on the likes of Kickback and, and, and Twitter as well, which is about... Um, A bit of the club structure and the accountability and um, responsibilities for for different positions. Now, by that, I'm talking the football department. So mainly talking Joe Savage, sporting director, and then obviously below him head coach slash manager, which was Robbie Nielsen and will be someone else um, permanently uh, in the summer we expect. Um, And I think something that's come up a little bit is, um, does Joe Savage deserve a bit more? criticism. Now I've mentioned the podcast before that sometimes I felt when we signed players um, if they looked like a good signing or they you know, they started playing well and it looked like it had been a good acquisition that it was all about Joe Savage if there were some doubts about them when they were playing or they weren't performing well that it was Robbie Nielsen's fault and I'm not saying that that was always black and white but it just seemed to always be that leaning that if a player was bad it was robbie nielsen's fault if they were good it was joe savage's kind of it was to joe savage's credit not robbie nielsen um but something that someone raised to, to me when the message was do people think that joe savage is head of recruitment when actually we do have a head of recruitment and we do have a head of recruitment we have will landsfield who is obviously put in position by joe savage so he's head of recruitment joe savage is sporting director so joe savage overseas different aspects of the club so he does oversee recruitment the academy the women's team etc so he's got quite a few remits recruitment is one of them um i don't know how you feel about this Craig. now we're not going to pretend that we know the the deep inner workings of what goes on day to day but just looking at it kind of high level um is there sometimes this misconception with hearts fans about exactly what everyone's role is in terms of acquiring players, and and who's actually sourcing them and recruiting them, etc.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It just seems like the common belief is that Joe Savage signs the players. <laughs> or at least it's, it felt like that when everything was great, everybody was loving their rec- recruitment. So many people, so many of my friends were saying that Joe Savage is the best signing this club's made, and it was kind of during discussions about the players that we'd brought in. Now, I do believe that Joe Savage deserves credit for some of those players brought in. But it does seem like it just kind of felt like people were assuming that he was responsible for... He, he was the sole responsibility for them coming in. Like, he'd identify them. And I knew... I do know that behind the scenes, he had done quite well in terms of some stuff. I knew he was quite instrumental in bringing Benny Beringame to the club, for instance. And certainly in the case of getting him for his cheap as we did. I think maybe we even not paid anything for him when everyone initially wanted a few hundred thousand pounds. So th- there's certainly good work being done by him, but yeah, you're certainly right that there is a misconception that it was kind of all him really. And I think it just works. It, it works like these things do in every club. And it's something that's, I think maybe a little bit difficult for fans, and and I mean, I include myself in that, because you don't get to see the the behind-the-scenes stuff, so you don't know exactly how the relationships work, because these kind of relationships will work at different clubs, and like every kind of work structure, certain personalities, just through who they are, and and how they carry themselves, and how they conduct themselves, will end up having more influence than than some others Well, at at different clubs, that's just the, the way the human beings work, but as football fans, we are kind of trained to think of Think of it in the ways that the old days did Black and white Manager signs the players and he picks a team And, and <laughs> yeah. that's it So yeah, then when, th- when the director of football thing started It was like, oh, somebody else is signing the players <laughs> And the manager picks a team But it's not as it's not as simple as that At all
2: Yeah, and I think it's one of these where My feeling always was that um, I'm not saying that suddenly no credit should be given to Joe Savage I think if things are going well And signings seem good he's overseeing that so obviously he's having an input into it but at the same time when things aren't going well he's had an input on on the things that aren't working so i I think it seems to be it needs to be a group thing for me if there's some good signings you've got to say well there's a there's a joint effort here on the manager the head of recruitment scouts sporting director so when they work when they work well should be credit sort of all around almost if you if you don't know the ins and outs and if it's not working then it's going to have to be Criticism all round, because I mean, you know, head of recruitment is obviously going to be the one who's overseen the scouts and the actual identifying a target. So Robbie Nielsen himself spoke about this and Joe Savage spoke about the fact that he would highlight, right, we need X player who's got these attributes. Can you go and find me? And I think Joe Savage, I've got a quick quote here, said... um He trusts the process, talking about Nielsen. He does all his due diligence, watches the player, gets character references. Myself and the scout will put a list of maybe five players to him. He's never turned around and said he doesn't like any of them. He'll maybe like two or three tells to go and see what I can do. That's when I step in, negotiating with the agent in the club. Robbie sitting down with the player is the most important part. So even when there's a player who's been kind of um, targeted, Joe Savage himself said Robbie Nielsen's a big part in the signing because he's the one that sells the club. He said, it's all right me selling to the club. I don't pick the team, though. I'm not the one coaching them. When Robbie sits down with him, you can see the boys taking everything he says. Um, Touch wood, it's been working for us. So you can see the whole process would involve recruitment finding players alongside Joe Savage. um, Robbie Nielsen highlighting the one he wants. Joe Savage then obviously... Starting the kind of negotiations with the club and then passing the player to Robbie Nielsen in terms of kind of sealing the deal. Didn't work um, very well
0: in January though, did it?
2: It didn't. And I was going to say this I mean, it, it, it's funny because, uh, fair enough, again, a bit of revisionism. I don't want to pretend. In January, we were like, we didn't, at the time, we were playing well. So let's see, maybe the wool was pulled over our eyes a little bit. Um, but before January, we said it's a huge window because, uh, you know, after the World Cup break, um, we were four points off the pace. Um, and, you know, we felt we needed some big signings. We've got James Hill, Yutaro Oda, and we got Garan Kuol. Was that good enough, Mark? No, I, I not now. don't think it was even close. And but At and, the
0: time, we weren't questioning it because things were going well. So there's always, uh, someone's always looking for a scapegoat when things are going wrong. Um, the Hartman Lothian scapegoat left his job. Um, he was fired a couple of weeks ago, Robbie Nielsen. So who else? Where's the problem now? So people have spoken about Joe Savage, people have spoken about others. The, the bottom line is, people have spoken about that, that phrase. How much do we actually know about what goes on behind the scenes at Timecastle? The answer is very little. We only make our mind up based on what comes out of the football club and what we hear, or gossips, or Jambos kickback, or, or whatever. going to take you back to 2021, July article from our very good friend Joel Sked in the Edinburgh Evening News. Um, I don't know if I read this at the time, but having read it just now, I don't know if this is still the case, bearing in mind this is 18, 20 months old. Will Lansfield will be based in England. And due to his experience at his previous clubs, he will have a keen eye in the English market, especially around the south. That was then. I don't know. I, 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 he could walk by me in the street. He wouldn't know who I was. I wouldn't know who he was. Um, he's not the public face of the football club. Is he still in England? No idea. But we don't know what he does. We don't know what Joe Savage does on a day-to-day basis as sport director. I mean, his his role covers recruitment. It covers the academy. It covers the women's team. It covers a lot. But again, it's, it's from what? Craig, Joel, Barry, and the guys put in the evening news because they get additional access, as they should, as as the local paper. So we take from that. We take from what comes out the football club. We take from contacts what we can. But a lack of kind of education as to to what actually happens and who does what, and it's an education that you're never going to find out what actually happens and. I don't say to you, Laurie, what's your nine to five job? What do you do in an hour to hour basis? Who do you report to? But that, that's that's what you do. That's that's your job. So whether it's it's Savage, whether it's Lansfield or or whoever it is, we just have to call canny a little bit when it comes to pointing the blame because we're looking for a scapegoat right now. Um, we can take our eye off the ball. It, it's it's. I'm not being a cheerleader or saying we, we all need to point in the right direction. We all need to get behind whatever. You get behind what you see. Hearts fans desperately wanted to get behind that performance at Easter Road. They couldn't. And Saturday's gonna be no different. Taking on to, to that from where we were, it's, it's gonna be the same as St. Mirren. There's gonna be maybe five, ten minute leeway of okay, let's see, let's see what you got, Mr. Naismith, let's see what you've done in training this week. And the fans will respond if they see something to respond to. If they don't, it'll be like after the 15th minute against St Mirren. It'll be a horrible place to play. Time Castle on Saturday. And it calls for brave players. The big question is, do we have enough of them right now? I'm not so sure.
1: Just because you mentioned his name, I'd just like to talk about Garanko. Because this signing really winds me up for numerous reasons. Uh, I'm often triggered by my own friends, my heart's friends, group chat. Yeah, because they keep going on about why is Cule not playing? Because <laughs> like, well, he's not good enough. That's why he's not playing. But that's that goes to the signing in, in January. And you talk about the January recruitment, and we've already mentioned earlier that, that James Hill was not the man that we needed to come in. We needed a, uh, and that is something that because I, I can't say the player because I would be breaking the trust of a friend who told me. But I do know that Hearts tried to try to sign a player based in Scotland who is much more. Definitely not anywhere near the ability level of Craig Halkett, but in a similar mould. And so Robbie, did so it did, it did make me think that Robbie wanted that type of player, but we ended up getting somebody on loan from Bournemouth instead, who is not. So that Was he a centre-back? Yeah, it was was at least a centre-back. It was a a Uh, player similar to Craig Halkett. So it wasn't Devlin, because
0: Robbie wanted Devlin. He was keen on Devlin, and and he might have signed in the summer. Ah, well, I didn't hear Devlin, I'd heard somebody else. Um, No, of course, but Devlin's a a right-back. But with Robbie now going, it's unlikely that Nicky Devlin will will join. Oh, sorry, Nicky Devlin. I thought you meant... Um,
1: uh, Mikey Devlin, who who is uh, a centre-back in the Craig Halkett mould, but permanently injured, and he's yes, currently on the bench. Let's just say it's
2: Mikey good. Devlin and Nicky Devlin, then it'll make a, give me an Cammy absolute hey, man, I would
1: quite like Nicky Devlin, I'd have to say. I would, that was quite like I Was out of contract as well in the summer. But anyway, like let, going to my, my point about January, so I do so I do reckon that Robbie wanted that type of player. And I don't know what the breakdown was that we didn't end up bringing that type of player in to replace Craig Halkett, but if you look at the other two sides, so Oda is, I'm not going to get too down on Oda because he is clearly a project that they've looked, that signing was looking at Celtic and going, right, they're they're tapping at the Asian market, let's do it as well. And instead of getting somebody of the quality of Celtic, because to do that we have to pay a lot of money and we have to pay a lot of money in wages, we can't really do that. So instead, let's get somebody with raw potential and, and build them up. So that's what we're doing with Oda and I think that's, in isolation, that's fine. The problem is that then we also signed Garan Now, Garan is 18 years old. He played only about 30 or so games in the A-League. We know the A-League. A-League...
2: Three senior starts, I think he'd had before. Three senior
1: starts. We know the A-League is of a lesser standard than the Scottish Premiership. We know that from the players who have left the Scottish Premiership and go into the A-League and score goals for absolute fun. I don't want to deride these guys, but Jamie McLaren and Jason Cummins being the prime examples. Jamie McLaren, after he went back following his he spell hebs, was scoring a goal every game in the A-League. And I thought Jamie McLaren was a decent enough player in the Scottish Premiership, but he was never going to have that kind of success. So it's a level below. So he made three starts at a level below. He's 18 years old. He comes from a completely different style of play altogether in the A-League. It is hot over there all the time. The... The games are played at a snail's pace compared to the Scottish Premiership. It's nowhere near as physical, so you factor all that in. And we signed them on loan for five months. If you're signing an attacker on loan from five months, they have to be ready to come in and hit the ground running immediately. How anybody at Hearts thought that Garankul was going to be ready to do that, I have no idea. And I think somebody called it. I saw somebody on Twitter called uh, the other day called them um, uh, a Joe Savage vanity signing. Now, I think that's too harsh. However, I do think that the club fell in love with the idea of bringing in somebody like this. Kind of the Rotaro-Machino way, but Kuo is bigged up a bit more as, having, as somebody who's got the potential to one day actually play for Newcastle. Whereas I think we knew that Machino was you know unlikely to ever break into the Man City team. But to, to build that relationship, so to bring in Cool and then Cool does stuff for us, and you know it, it helps his development, and then we foster that relationship with, with Newcastle, and then with other clubs in England who go, oh, that player done well at Hearts. I and mean, Hills kind of the same as well, because Hills, I mean, it looks doesn't look much evidence at the moment, but he was signed for a million pounds by Bournemouth quite recently, and is an England under twenty one international, so he's kind of the same mould. So these clubs would look at ours and go, well, this is a good place for us to send our these burgeoning talents who we think are good enough for one day getting our first team, an English Premier League first team. I think they fell in love with that idea and they didn't realise the basic facts in front of them that this guy was never going to be able to come in. And we said it, I was on commentary with you, Laurie, when he made his debut against St Mirren. We were defending a one goal lead in the last 50 minutes in a game where we weren't playing well, we were under pressure. And he gets the ball where he's facing his own goal about 30 yards out. And he tries to take about three touches and thinks he's got all the time in the world. And you're like, Ugh,
2: you're not ready for this. <laughs> yes, uh, no, I, I agree. I should correct myself. It was four starts, sorry, that he'd, that he'd made. But I, I knew it was... Makes all the difference. It, it makes all the, That one... That, <laughs> that one, one start, was, that, 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 that convinced
1: him. He was ready to go in the ground running.
2: It's not Graham
0: Arnold's fault, by the way. Because if Graham Arnold doesn't put him in the World Cup squad, if he doesn't come out <laughs> against the Netherlands, if he doesn't have that chance... Then no one's talking about him. It's just a young kid from Australia. and We're probably not even going for him. So it might not be a Joe Savage vanity project, but there is that kind of <laughs> there is an element of a vanity project about it. And is that a time to? <laughs> well, maybe yeah. that's the thing. It's it's a different scenario when we signed him than it is now. We needed different things back then, but we I don't think, need I, now.
2: Yeah, I, I think. I think we can we can close this section off a little, but you know we do, we weren't going to didn't really have the time to do it a, a deep, deep dive. i on any tangents.
0: It's honestly I, every I, I single time he's on, it's tangents, I, tangents, tangents from and on. as and as
2: <laughs> and as Greg says. Okay,
1: that's, that's how I communicate. I, I am a, a constant stream
0: of tangents. Um, You're very welcome here. Then you fit. fit then. <laughs>
2: As as I was saying, we don't have the inner knowledge of the exact workings of these roles. I think you say that. But that... Laurie,
1: sorry, just to interject again, I would like to hear from Joe Savage before the end of the season, though, because yeah. I think it's only right. Joe Savage has been somebody that's he's been quite present. I would say. For a sporting director, in terms of his relationship with the media, and I mean that's great. Obviously, I'm in the media. Anybody that wants to come out and speak to us, perfect. It takes the pressure off us and trying to fill a paper because some days you're just like, ah, what am I going to write about? You need to to fill that space in the page. So I'm not complaining about that. But as a as a Hearts fan, to have seen him be in in front of, to be you know in interviews and to be doing podcasts and to be in front of camera as much as he was, it was great because you appreciated the job he was doing. But now that things are turning sour, I'd like to see him come out and and speak again uh, between now and the end of the season. Because if he doesn't, that's not a good look.
2: No, what I was going to say, actually, is that I think, you know, he does oversee, he oversees the first team. He oversees the manager, uh, you know, in terms of how the first team are doing. Well, he oversees recruitment. He oversees um, lots of other aspects of the team. We know there's other... Parts of recruitment that's involved, there's a head of recruitment who would specifically find targets, the managers involved in who he wants and in terms of selling the club to them. I think what I was going to say is all these areas deserve, all these posts deserve praise when things are going well. But equally, I feel that when things are going badly, it's collective. I think both ways, you know, I think both Joe Savage and Robbie Nielsen and the recruitment team deserve praise. You know, last season when things were going well in certain windows... And I think there's more than just Robbie Nielsen deserves criticism when things haven't been going well. I think Robbie Nielsen had to go. There was pre- issues on the park, a lot of it tactical, motivation-wise. But a lot of our issues this season have been recruitment. And that's not just Robbie Nielsen. That's on other people. So I think, yeah, you're right. It's not suddenly to say everything's Joe Savage's fault. But no. he's overseeing all these things. So, yeah, fair enough. When things were going well, he deserved some praise. And, and, and other... there
1: are starting start to be grumbles amongst the his and when yeah. gr- Grumbles typically lead to people saying, you know, get them out kind of thing. And I think that's very dangerous because these kind of jobs have to be long-term jobs. You yeah, can't just be like a manager that you're, you're happy to sack no. after six months because they're just not getting it done. It needs, these need, things need to be kind of long-term planning and, and yes. giving them time to put these plans in place. So we just can't rip it up and start again when we go
0: through the first bad run we've had since Brora, basically. Yeah. I, I, preferred, I preferred it when it was points of view and if you had something to complain about, Craig, you had to write a letter. <laughs> you need to go back to those days. None of this instantaneous anger. We, if you've got something or if you've got a gripe, you need to write a letter or put it on the back of a stamped, addressed envelope or a postcard. I think I think Graham Hunter should have taken that advice before uh, taking it to Twitter. You oh, oh. right. help yourself. had <laughs> to, you? to get the digging. What <laughs> he's, We're moving he's on. getting annoyed now is like, I can't keep them under control, these two.
2: Okay, before we go, Hearts against Ross County. Now we've 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 been going on and we've gone on okay. tangents, so I can't have a big deep preview of this, but um let, let's have a quick chat about what we expect from this game. So six losses in a row for Hearts against a Ross County team who are now bottom of the cinch premiership. Right, just selling this their well. Five. Um <laughs> so it's bound to be an absolutely dreadful roll game. Roll up, roll
0: but, up, buy your but, tickets. But,
2: but Mark, this is so we're looking for some reaction now We hope we, we get it against against Hibs We didn't get it Are we going to get it in this game And, and if so what's it going to look like Are we going to see I a big no shake idea. up in the team Are we going to see a big <laughs> shake up in tactics approach What's going to happen know.
0: I don't know Because
2: they don't know That's the problem <laughs>
0: It's, it's like second guessing your grandparent after a brandy in the afternoon, what they're going to say next. They could say anything. They could go down any road that could be troublesome. It could be loving. It could be anything. You just don't know. How can we predict what's going to happen? We've tried to be as positive every single week. I have no idea. And the reason I have no idea is because Stephen Naismith has no idea what kind of reaction he's going to get. But we have to get some reaction.
1: I would like to, and I'm going, I'll admit I was wrong. I, I thought in the the latter days of Robbie, I said we should move away from the, the three five two 5 2 and go back to a, a variation of a, a four-at-the-back system. That's not worked at That's all. That's it? I, I don't think it's, I think we could do with somebody alongside Lauren Shankland again. So I would like to actually see us go back to the three five two, especially if Josh Dinelli is going to be fit to, enough to start this game. And Stephen Naismith is basically saying that yes, he they, is. They've by leaving him out for the last two weeks that his niggling um injury, which is a, I believe a bone bruise on his foot has cleared up and he should be ready to go for the remaining games of the
0: season. And, and Ken who who are you playing alongside him then? Are you, are you playing Humphreys? Oh no Janelli uh, so, right. and Shank top So are you playing well, Barry Mackay then? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. no sure about Where, that where's, where's where's the create I'm just asking where's the creativity? You might, actually, to be fair, you can maybe get away with playing
1: Mackay because I don't like Mackay in a midfield three, but I really didn't like Mackay in a midfield three when Robert Snodgrass was also in there as well. I just thought that was ridiculous. I never thought that worked. It's so just he, he's, playing
0: the, he's playing the N'Golo Kante role from last night, with Chelsea having two holders <laughs> and then an, a defensive midfielder as an attacking midfielder. So...
1: so... You can maybe get away with Mackay if you just start if you start like for instance Devlin and and Harren again or, or sorry Devlin and Halliday or bringing bringing Peter Harren for maybe a bit more a bit more height as well on the team we could probably use so if you start yeah if you start like Harren, Devlin and maybe Mackay as a midfield three or or maybe another battler in there and Laurie just got to go back to what you were saying earlier about the about the the Stendhal game, because was kind of talked about this as well in, in terms of what Hibs did against Hearts, in terms of playing the percentage football and and putting balls in the box and putting it in those yeah. areas and getting it forward a lot quicker. Because you could do that against County with Ginelli's pace. We saw us do it when Robbie Olsen first kind of came across playing Ginelli as as a forward to this season in the Kelly game. That was all about taking advantage of the lack of pace that Kelly had at the back. Ross County did not have a fast set-and-a-half no. group either. So get Janelli up there, get the ball forward quickly, even if he doesn't win it, get it, you know, win throw ins high in the area, get up on them, press them high, you know, move, I know it's like going to a back three is a problem because we don't have three set and a half, but moving Kingsley into the three. You, you can move Kingsley get, into it and Yeah, move back it, back. Right, get a bit more out of them, get Cochran back on the, and also as well, if we move to a three, because Mikey Smith's not going to be playing. And if we move to a three, it means that we can put Atkinson... In Atkinson at, the, at right wing back. It's, and not have to worry too much about his defensive, defensive frailies. Yes. yes.
0: So
1: I would go back to that and get get play direct, play up, get in their face, and try and camp them in their own half and, and yeah. win the game that way.
2: My big thing is not formation, it's the actual... Approach. Yeah. Um, You know, we've got caught up in formations and, you know, we did it on here as well. We we, we were guilty of it. And I think we felt we did need to change the formation. But I think ultimately we've seen the same turgid approach with a back three and a back four. Um, You know, I I think it can work with either, but I think we need to find a different way of getting at teams. And and I would like to see us happily, you know, play two players up there Shanklin and Janelli are the two obvious at the moment. I've, I've not seen enough from Humphreys. In terms of product or um, attitude, I would say in terms of when he's been playing, to suggest he would deserve a start. But
1: Since he scored yeah, one of the best goals I've ever seen. He's barely kicked his own backside.
2: Yeah, um, probably because he didn't want to have to run much longer. Um, <laughs> take it, just <laughs> shoot now. Uh, so yeah, I'd yeah, I'd, I'd happily if it means getting the ball wide, for instance, stretching Ross County, getting the ball into the box. Um, you don't have to. Just because you don't have a big target man doesn't mean the only option is to play it slow out from the back. There are other ways of playing games. It's more even,
0: direct, doesn't
2: it? Even Ross County at Tynecastle, they had a brilliant first half, and that was playing um, balls at the channels and behind the Hearts' defence. They weren't mm-hmm. playing. Um, I know they have Jordan White in the team, but I'm pretty sure in the first half it was mainly a, a we Edwards who was getting in behind with his pace. Um, so, yeah. Based on, what, based on what you've both said, this is the team. That maybe the
0: three of us would pick based on the conversation we've just had: Clark and Goals, Civic, okay. Rolls mm-hmm. and Kingsley, mm-hmm. Atkinson, Halliday, Devlin and Cochran with Mackay just in front. Janelli mm-hmm. and Shankland. Yep. Yeah, that'd be, I'd be happy enough with that.
1: I would I mean Harding right. or Halliday for height.
2: Uh, uh, I, would I'd maybe
1: bring back Harding if he's fit enough to to start a game. I was surprised uh, he didn't get any minutes at all against Hibs because I thought he was quite good off the bench. Well, quite good. I thought he was lively off the bench against St Mirren. And that was more than I could say about a lot of
0: parts players that day. My concern with that would be Atkinson and Cochrane as your two kind of wing backs. Don't
1: um, really have any other options, do it? No, I was going to say just, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah,
0: just from a lack of of kind of where's where's the the width, where's the attack, mind because in essence there you're going back to the seven defensive players. I think it's a bit of a stretch to call Atkinson a defensive player
2: I was going to say Atkinson's (laughs) issues (laughs) Atkinson's issues are are defensively, I'd be happy I think Atkinson, whether he's good enough or not is another question, but if you are going to put him in his best position, it's going to be wing really back, back as opposed yeah. to right back isn't it and Cochrane's shown himself when he's on form and he's confident he can, I like he can get I Yeah forward. I think, I think, um,
1: think Cochrane's improved a lot of that side of his game this season but his last, last campaign was good but it was more of a just kind of a steady eddy out there but this this campaign he's, he's impacted that a bit more. Going so forward. the wing
2: backs the wing backs return two up front goals yes. galore Are we, oh. <laughs> our heart's going to win come on our heart's going to win this game. Yeah but <laughs> we, need,
1: we need to stop losing surely at some point some yes. point there's a prediction
2: Craig
1: time. Law of Averages, Laurie. The Law of Averages say we're we'll off to win a game. So, yes, we're going to
2: win. 3-0. <laughs> 3-0. Oh, give me a scorer. Someone who's going to get on the score oh sheet. You just give me one.
1: Um, Shanklin, Girelli and...
2: Oh, he's going all three.
0: Natty Atkinson. There you go. Oh, God. oh
2: Jesus. Okay. I imagine
0: the Twitter, if that happened, they'd be singing that song again.
2: Oh, yeah. Go on then, Mark. What about you?
0: No, 0 Oh, oh God. <laughs> Nope. I've had enough of predictions. I don't think I'll be nil nil, but I'm I'm not predicting a Hearts win. I'm wondering if it's us that are the jinx. So I'm going nil nil.
2: So Christ, it's not Neilson, it's not Savage, it's those pricks and scarves around the funnel.
0: i have also attended the women's end by Derby Easter Road, and I'm definitely looking forward to that more. Yeah, it
2: goes
0: to, it goes to penalties. They just, you should just just play penalties. The last two have been that tight that they've gone to penalties. So, um, look, I would I would. I'd be extremely disappointed, more disappointed um, than I was at Easter Road. I don't know if that's possible, but up there, if Hearts don't win this. But no, I'm not predicting a win. I think we're the issue here. So I'm going to nil-nil draw.
2: <laughs> what a dick. No, I'm not going to. I'm <laughs> not
0: going <laughs> to. 2-0 Ross County, you say?
2: <laughs> no. I'm We've not, we're not,
1: we're, we're not talked about County much at all, but it is a Big help for us that Eamon Brophy is not going to be playing. He's out possibly for the rest of the season, and that does weaken them quite a bit. Because I thought he was a kind of X factor that was going to keep them up. And Simon Murray's Simon. I mean, I, I, this is definitely going to come back to bite me. <laughs> he don't, say right it, don't say it. Don't but say I don't, it. Don't. I don't really think that Simon Murray. He's certainly not of the quality of Eamon Brophy. And I, oh, there's your know. first goal scorer then. And I, I doubt he's even you know top flight quality. But yeah, that's going to bite me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jordan White's good news. So that guy's like Boys, Jordan, like Simon
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jordan White scored a few against top so he seems to score.
2: Yeah, it's
0: right. It is, uh, what, what's I'm, your prediction?
2: I, I think we'll win. I don't think it'll be. I don't think we'll blow them away, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna optimistically go for two 0 I think it'll be based on what? Based on. Ross County are really bad and at some point well at some point we have to to beat someone and we're playing the worst (laughs) team in the league they weren't any worse against Aberdeen than we were against Hibbs but look they didn't offer an awful lot in the final third did we? and no, but I'm just saying uh, Craig said law of averages so we'll get law one nil up averages. and and they'll they'll then have to push up and we'll then catch him in a break and get a second um, Stephen Kingsley is going to find his range it's not going to be a game of a lot of clear-cut open uh, chance for open <laughs> no play, shit, so, um, we're going to get a free kick and okay. it's going to be a little bit further out so he can actually try and go um, over the wall and, like, yeah, at yeah. the weekend when he tried it to go over the wall that. when it was the wrong decision because you was never going to get it up and over but anyway, we'll not get into that um, so Kingsley's going to score and Hearts going to win okay.
0: 2-0. Right. Who do you want in the group stage of Europe next season after all that? <laughs> Honestly. That imagine, Im- imagine this conversation we went to see a doctor. The doctor be like, I can't help you. I'm so sorry. There's no tablets that can fix this.
2: <sighs> Spoiler alert. We're going to bank on a Hearts win again as usual. Apart from Mark. You did you did randomly throw, throw a draw in at some point in our predictions. I remember that. And it was wrong. I think we actually won. So,
0: <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. That's the, okay. I'm, I'm trying to, see, I'm trying to yeah. see if this works. By the way, the only the biggest concern about predicting a nil nil is that how the hell do we keep a clean sheet?
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. We'll, who, who knows? No one. No one listens to our predictions and takes it to the bookies. Well, oh, I on. fucking hope not. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us, Craig. We we'll really you, appreciate Craig. it. Thank you very much. And we will um, be back next week. To review whatever happens in the Hartshaws County game. And maybe finally we'll get a prediction right, unless it's Mark. Hopefully not. Until then, thanks for tuning in.